Julia Belouz, health reporter at Vox. Sean, podcast master at Vox. I want to take you somewhere today. I'm in. I spend too much time in the studio. Well, it's kind of a studio, too. It's oh. like an 11 by 11 foot space. Hmm. But fewer than 100 people every year enter these rooms at the National Institutes of Health. And this year, I was one of them. Wow. And it's used to unlock one of the greatest mysteries of the human body. Which one? The metabolism. The metabolism is something we talk about all the time, but don't really understand, is, is my guess. Some of you think your metabolism feels like this, a slow drip, with ripples of excess fat slowly accumulating around your waist and everywhere else. Yeah, there's a big gap between how we talk about it and how scientists talk about it. So we talk about it like it's this thing that you can control with supplements or dry caraway seeds, chili peppers or dark <laughs> chocolate or whatever. There are things that we can actually do to boost your metabolism. You hear it on Dr. Oz all the time. On the next Dr. Oz, the nine best metabolism boosters turbocharge your body to burn calories faster. And then the way scientists think about it, it's thousands of chemical reactions that are happening in our body at every second to keep us alive. And they turn the energy that we get from the food we eat and the stuff we drink into fuel for our cells. So you travel up to Maryland to the National Institutes of Health and you let them lock you in a sealed room and throw away the key for like 24 hours? Yeah. So I was basically yeah, a self-imposed prisoner of NIH. Wild. Tell me more about this chamber of secrets you entered. I was sealed inside this chamber for 23 hours. There was a camera in the ceiling watching everything I did. Nurses were monitoring me through this little window on one of the walls of the chamber. And all I had was an exercise bike, a bed, a toilet, and that's it. So on one wall of the room, there's a plexiglass window. And within that plexiglass window, there's these portals where you can pass specimens or trays in and out. And through this airlock chamber, I got three meals. You have prescribed periods of rest where you're not supposed to be doing anything at all. Hope and a nurse is here again. Hello. Pardon? I'm resting, yeah. I can hear, sorry. Hello. Oh, I was told to lay down with the rest periods. And the purpose of that is to see what's happening in your body while you're resting. Did you hit that exercise bike while you were in there? I did. I did about 90 minutes on the bike. Wow. Just to see what my energy burn looks like when I'm active, when I'm intentionally trying to burn off extra calories. And yeah, this, this little exercise bike, it looks like something that was left in my grandparents' basement from, like, the 70s. So what do they feed you in this metabolic chamber? Lunch just arrived through these little plastic chamber doors. Lunch is a tuna salad sandwich, a small salad, some potato chips, and a little four-ounce container of cranberry juice. And um, I'm on what's called a metabolic diet, so it's not a diet for weight loss. It is a diet that's very carefully calibrated to maintain my body size, so based on my height and weight. The kind of interesting thing about that is that they're measuring every calorie that you're eating. So the food comes in these little packages kind of wrapped up with labels on them that are measured to the gram 
You pass the food back through the airlock portal and they measure every gram that's left to figure out exactly how much you ate while you were in the chamber. And what's so interesting is that there's, when, when we talk about burning calories, we talk a lot about, you know, we're going to go to the gym and the extra spinning class we're going to do. Yeah. But what, what the chambers revealed is that the basal metabolic rate accounts for the vast majority of the calories we burn. So hmm. 65 to 80% of the calories you burn are just from you being you doing nothing, just living and existing. Wow. That's 65 to 80%. Great. So what I'm taking away here is that I just don't have to do anything. <laughs> you can just sleep all day. Just don't leave the studio. One funny way to think about it is there's this amazing research where they compare hunter-gatherer societies to Western, more sedentary societies. Okay. And there's this big difference in physical activity levels. And they find that our energy burn actually looks the same. Hmm. So the Hadza in Tanzania look a lot like an office worker in Paris or in Washington, D.C. when it comes to energy burn. So interesting. And why are they skinnier? They eat fewer calories. Why does all of this stuff have to happen while you're in a metabolic chamber? Why can't you just do it, you know, as you go about your day? What's happening in this room that's special? So to understand why it's special, we need to talk a little bit about how metabolism works. Mm -hmm. So the way your body is breaking down energy, which are calories, for fuel to keep your cells going, to keep the cells that make up your organs going, to keep your brain going, that, that's what we're talking about. Mm. So to break down calories, we need oxygen, and then we let off CO2 in that process. So it's this gas exchange, and it looks different depending on how fast your metabolism is working and the kinds of foods you're eating. And so the metabolic chamber is just this airtight room that's able to measure this gas exchange. So why did you do this? Was it just for the science? Was it just so you could write an article? Was there more? I did it for two reasons, professional and personal. So when you're reporting on obesity and diabetes a lot, as I am here, researchers always talk about something I'm going to call the mouse mystery, which is this question of, why when they put mice in cages for studies and they feed them this smorgasbord of junk food, only some of the mice overeat and puff out into these little rodent blimps and others don't. And researchers don't understand why that happens and why even mice that eat the same amount of calories have different responses in their bodies. Yeah. And when you think about it, the same thing happens in humans. There's a lot of individual variation in how we respond to calories. So an easy way to think about this is, you know, you hear it on Dr. Oz all the time. If you get a group of friends or family together, we've all been through this, and everyone has just one donut, right? Guess what happens? Everyone uses the energy differently, which is why you're so angry at your friends for not putting on the weight that you put on when you have a donut. So which donut best describes your metabolism? That's so this question. variation is one of the greatest mysteries in modern medicine. Are you A, like Tracy? You burn it off almost immediately. Or are you like Linda, who's B? You store half, you burn the other half. You're sort of right in the middle. Or are you C, like Sue? You store every, every ounce of that donut directly into your fat cells, or it certainly seems like that. And it's something that obesity researchers are trying to unravel. And when they're talking about unraveling it, they talk a lot about the metabolic chamber because it's one of the most precise yeah. tools to really understand that variation. And then the other reason I enrolled in this study, I guess, was a selfish motivation. 
I've struggled with my weight and struggled in the past to lose weight. When I was a child, I, I noticed my brothers seemed to be able to eat whatever they want and I couldn't. And the same thing with my husband now, he can kind of gulp down mounds of pasta and not gain weight and the same isn't true for me. And I thought this had to do with my slow metabolism. And what did you find out once you got out of the chamber? I found out that I'm perfectly normal. Oh, so congratulations. Yeah, my, my metabolism was of the speed they predict for someone my age, height, and gender. And not only was my metabolism normal, but I also had what the nurses and doctors kept referring to as excellent biomarkers. Sweet. So, yeah, so a healthy heart rate, good blood levels, blood pressure. And I have to say, I was quite surprised. Yeah, does that change like the way you think about who you are? It made me think a lot about where we get these narratives about our bodies, narratives of slow metabolism, fast metabolism, our deficiencies, our imperfections, and why I felt this inadequacy in this area when I was actually quite healthy. It also made me think about how many of us might be blaming our metabolisms when that might be distracting us from what might actually be the real cause of our weight struggles. Up next on Today Explained, all of the secrets of the metabolic chamber. Julia, I read in your piece that this chamber costs taxpayers millions and millions of dollars a year. Why are we spending all of this money to send, like, you and a few other golden ticket winners to Maryland? Understanding metabolism is really important for understanding weight problems like obesity and diabetes, which affect up to a third of humanity right now. Hmm. And we're all in this environment with lots of highly palatable, very cheap calories. Arby's. We have the meat. But not everyone is overeating and gaining weight. Mm. And in this unit at NIH, in the chambers, that's what they're trying to unravel. So why is there this variation in responses to similar environments, to the calories we're given? The other thing they're trying to figure out is why do some people who become overweight and obese develop diseases like diabetes and cardiovascular disease while other people don't? So, for example, they're running a study right now where they're enrolling South Asian men. Hey! <laughs> because South Asian men are at a much higher risk of diabetes. Ah, shit. I know. Sorry. Bad news. Got all excited. Um, but they're trying to understand why, why is that? Like, why their bodies, their metabolisms responding in a different way than other people? And those are the kind of questions that they're using the chambers to understand. So beyond learning that Julia Belouz has good biomarkers and a perfectly normal functioning metabolism... What have they discovered at the National Institutes of Health about metabolism in general? They've discovered some really fascinating things. In one study, they gave people a drug that essentially causes them to pee out about 360 extra calories a day. And they found that people unknowingly compensate for that calorie loss by eating more. So wow. they, didn't, they didn't tell the people they were going to urinate out these extra calories and... They didn't tell them? No, 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 no. They didn't tell them. And then the people um, compensated without knowing, which is kind of amazing, right? And that's part of this, what they call metabolic adaptations that our body makes. Fascinating. And then they've done other cool studies, like they find that when people are exposed to cold temperatures for sustained periods, we build up what's called brown fat in our bodies. And it's fat tissue whose main purpose is heat production. And 
we burn more calories when we have more brown fat. And so in this study, people were sleeping in colder temperatures, they're burning more calories. And then as soon as they put them into warmer temperatures again, the study participants lost the brown fat in their body and burned fewer calories. So they were able to again show how our bodies are adapting to these different environments. Our calorie burn is speeding up or slowing down in ways that we have no control over. come down to this one final moment. There was another remarkable study of the biggest loser reality TV show participants. Rachel, when you started this competition, you weighed 260 pounds. What's amazing about that TV show is that in real life, people don't usually lose dramatic amounts of weight in short periods of time. And so these researchers were really clever. They figured out that, hey... You know, th- that's what's going to happen on the show. Let's take some baseline measures. Let's check them during the TV show and then at the end of the season to wow. see what happens in their bodies when they go on these crash diets. So, like, th- the National Institutes of Health actually approached the biggest loser and collaborated in some way? Exactly, yeah. What they discovered, though, was really interesting. So they found that people on the show who lost these dramatic amounts of weight in a really short period of time this crash dieting had permanently slowed their metabolic rate, even six years after the show, when most of the participants had regained the weight. For a couple of years, I kept the weight off Mm. completely, but I was exercising three or four times as much as a normal person. And uh, once that stopped, the weight started creeping back on. And so when you hear this study, how do you process that information? Well, a lot of the shame that is on our shoulders. I mean, when you gain weight back, even when you're in school, it's shameful. When you were in front of America, it's 10 times as shameful. So so being on this reality TV show sort of screwed up their metabolisms long term? Seemingly permanently. Wow. They're doing like hours of exercise every day. They're dramatically reducing their calories. And the body responded to that change and like almost went into starvation mode. How applicable is that to normal people? Because normal people don't really lose or gain weight like that typically. It's actually very applicable. So the response was definitely extreme. But researchers have found that when people diet, their metabolic rates do slow down. Mm -hmm. It's not as dramatic as what we saw with The Biggest Losers. But it isn't this simple calories in, calories out system. Our bodies are finding ways to compensate. Are there any final secrets of the metabolic chamber in Maryland? They also find that people with obesity don't have slower metabolisms than you'd expect for their size. So a slow metabolism isn't actually the cause of their weight problems. And I think the chambers revealed there is no silver bullet diet that has these amazing results for everyone. And they have looked into these magical claims about low-carb and ketogenic diets that they cause people to speed up their fat loss and their calorie burn, and that just wasn't true. But the reason people fall for this is because people are looking for an answer on how to lose weight, Yeah, and it's really, really hard. And there's so much misinformation in this space and so many people trying to profit off of certain weight loss programs or diet books or theories and seize on our insecurities. So what what, what bothers you the most when you look at the picture? Everything. I just, I'm tired of feeling bloated all the time and tired of changing my outfit 15 times before I go somewhere. (laughs) I can't even look at it. 
So a big takeaway from the research for me is that it's not a slow metabolism that's causing our weight problems. We need to be focusing on what we eat and how much we eat. Think about it. Our genes haven't changed much in the last hundred years. People don't have less willpower than they used to. Right. What's changed is our physical environment and especially our food environment. We're just inundated with junk food and snack food and cheap sugary calories and they're all designed to be irresistible. So it's this really hard thing to navigate for people and to stay slim. And I think we go wrong in the U.S. by overcomplicating things like suggesting you have to do some kind of extreme workout to lose weight or, or go on a highly restrictive diet that it just isn't sustainable. And I think science is pointing us to the fact that much more moderate measures over time can go a long way. And when I look back at what helped me lose weight, there was never a magic bullet. It was plotting, trial and error, something I still think about every day. So finding habits and routines I could stick to and things that just help me eat less and move more. And I hope my experience in the chamber can help debunk some of these metabolism myths. Julia Belouz is Vox's senior health correspondent. This is Today Explained.